Today's episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast is proud to be partnered with Anchor Podcasts. Anchor is the easiest way for anyone to make a podcast. If you have a latent idea that's just kind of lying around for a show you would like to record one day, I'm confident that anyone could use this platform to host, record, and distribute your podcast, turning your idea into a reality. Anchor puts everything you need to be successful all in one place. You can start a new recording right from your mobile device. They also have convenient creation tools that allow you to edit your audio files so they sound crisp and great. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, letting listeners find your show almost everywhere, including Spotify, Anchor Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and several others. And best of all, it's free. There are no hosting fees or monthly subscriptions or minimum listener counts, just an easy-to-use platform to get your podcast out there at no cost to you. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm today to get started. Do you like coffee? I know that you do, and that's why I want to tell you about Fresh Roasted Coffee. Fresh Roasted is a locally owned and operated coffee house right here in central Pennsylvania that is committed to providing the highest quality coffee on earth. They do so by sourcing only the freshest coffee beans and by using the most eco-friendly roasting technology in the world. Fresh Roasted's USDA-certified organic coffee beans ensure that your coffee is consistently regulated at each stage of the production process and completely free of GMOs and harmful synthetic substances. Fresh Roasted Coffee roasts their beans per order with immediate packaging and shipping directly to your door, meaning that you get to experience fresh coffee at its peak drinkability. That's what I like. I was introduced to Fresh Roasted Coffee soon after moving to central Pennsylvania, and I'm so happy I was because I think it's literally the best coffee out there. Their Blackbeard's Revenge blend is out of this world good. Whether you use a regular drip coffee maker or a pour-over or a French press, however you get your coffee fix, make it fresh roasted. Go to the link in the notes for this show and use the offer code GRACE10 at checkout. That's offer code GRACE10 at checkout to get a discount on your next order. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast, a show that seeks to marvel at the mercy of God that meets us in our messy ministries. I'm your host, Brad Gray. I'm the senior pastor at Stonington Baptist Church in Paxinos, Pennsylvania. Uh, today, I have the joy and the uh, thrill to have another returning guest to uh, come back onto the show. It's uh, none, other, none other than Pastor Jordan Moody of uh, Hope Fellowship Church in Jaffrey, New Hampshire. Jordan and I uh, go way back, back into our Bible college days, and here he returns to the show after not being on the show since episode number four, uh, way back in the early beginnings of Ministry Minded. Uh, I'm so thankful for Jordan and his continued ministry to me, even from afar. Uh, he and I are contemporary uh, in the sense that we are younger pastors leading and ministering and shepherding to uh, church bodies uh, in different contexts, he in New Hampshire and I in Pennsylvania. But I'm so thankful for his influence and his continued encouragement and uh, for how he um, continues to uh, champion the truth and the message of the gospel uh, all throughout um, his Uh, continued uh, life of faith and ministry and uh, shepherding his church. And uh, today, uh, I wanted to have him on the show just to uh, talk about 
uh, some of the things that he's been learning in the last several years of ministry, and especially as he's been learning uh, how to manage and deal and continue being a pastor of people uh, in a time of quarantining and social distancing and in a time of pandemic. And uh, as the title suggests, we talk about the worthiness of that call, but also the weirdness of that call, the weirdness of pastoral ministry in the middle of a pandemic. I hope that you enjoy this episode. I hope that you are blessed and encouraged by Jordan and I's conversation and that you come away uh, really enriched and infused with hope, the hope of the gospel, even in the time of much confusion and much uh, chaos as we are enduring right now. But I thank thank you for listening, and I I pray that you are blessed by uh, this conversation. So enjoy. Well, Jordan, thanks uh, for joining me on this kind of short notice. Um, I am so glad to uh, chat with you again and hear from you again. Uh, you were one of my very first guests on the show. I was looking back in the archives, so to speak, um, and you were on episode number four way back in the day. And so it's just wow. good to kind of circle back and see how you are and see how things have grown or changed uh, since then. I think that must have been back in 2016. I think it was the last time we did one of these together. But uh, anyways, it's good to hear from you, and I'm, I'm glad you're here. How, how are things? <laughs> hey, uh, it's really an honor to be back on the show. I don't get to say that very often, but uh, <laughs> yeah, 2017, my, I was a young man, man then, right? And now my right yeah. <laughs> old age, well into my 30s, I'm uh, 31 years old. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're both young pastors, and uh, I, I think we've always found kind of a camaraderie in those kinds of things of what it's like to kind of go to school together and then uh, try to follow each other's ministries wherever God takes us in the future. And it's kind of mm, been cool yes. to watch you and the podcast. And now, um, you know, I know you do a lot of blogging and writing. You're a fantastic uh, thinker, writer, theologian in many ways. And now you <laughs> preach and pastor and uh, trying to lead a young family. And I just, I, I think you're doing a great job and it's been cool to kind of follow you along the ways too. And it's an honor to be here today for sure. So yeah, it's a uh, first guest. That, that is crazy. Back in uh, 2017, fourth episode, things have changed a lot since then. So <laughs> <laughs> I imagine they have. Um, how, how's the family doing? I, I think you've had yes. a kid in between there, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to think now, 2017, I don't even know times, you know, who knows, but, uh, I have two children now, um, yeah. you know, uh, two kids, uh, I have two daughters. Uh, my youngest is, uh, Taylor. So I don't think she was born then. Uh, Taylor is two years old and, uh, she is awesome. She's, she looks a little bit more like me, I would say. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but she's got a little <laughs> more of my personality, I think in some ways. My, uh, daughter is a uh, four. She is, uh, uh, her name's Charlie. We call her, uh, we, we call her Charlie. Her name's Charlotte, and she is a lot of fun. She's uh, just a blast. She's a lot more like my wonderful and beautiful wife. And uh, so we're right now just in the middle of kind of trying to parent these two kids at a young age and uh, busy. And we're currently right now also in the same boat that you are. Uh, we're building a house. And uh, so we're kind of right there towards the end of the project. Uh, we started building in January. Uh, in the winter in New England, I pastor here in Jaffrey, New Hampshire, and uh, Hope Fellowship Church. I love this place. But uh, we're building in the winter in New England isn't always the smartest decision, but for us, it actually worked out <laughs> pretty good. Uh, and now here in May, we're looking to get into it in May. It's April right now, but we're hoping that 
early May or middle of the uh, middle of May we will be in. So that's exciting. I know you guys are in the same boat. It's been a little crazy. Yes, it is a little bit hairy and crazy. Uh, we were actually, you know, scheduled to get into ours around this time frame, and then everything with COVID, which we'll get into a little bit later, <laughs> has kind of put things on hold. But exactly. uh, we're thankful for this process and thankful, <laughs> at least for what we're learning through it, <laughs> as uh, as a, a young family learning a lot about ourselves and a lot about God uh, in this process, which is oh, always sure. a good thing. So we're thankful for it. So. Yeah, the house building um, process is one of those things. It's an exciting time. It's very stressful. Yeah. I know we were talking <laughs> earlier, like you got to be patient through it and trust God every step of the way. We felt, you know, very out of our league, but we have a wonderful church with a lot of people who build and have small businesses in the trades. And so every part of our house is really kind of being built by somebody in our church or in our church community. And so it's been really neat to kind of see my friends and family and church family kind of give back to us by helping us through the process. So that's been a massive help. I would have never been able to do this on my own, uh, but I've had friends who've kind of done all the contracting the whole way. And uh, so that's been a joy to kind of see that verse in Psalms reminds me of, you know, unless the Lord builds a house, those who Hmm. build it labor in vain. And uh, I don't know if I'm taking out of context there or not, but that specifically for me has just been meaningful that I've really seen the Lord build our house through his people mm. and through his church. And that's been a blessing to, to, as I am not a builder myself, I'm very, I'm terrible with constructing things physically, but you know, as a, <laughs> as a preacher or a pastor, I do other things and it's just cool to see the body as a whole and the talents that they have that God's given people be used for ministry and mm. even to be willing to accept those as gifts to me and my family. I've just been really humbled through the process and blown away at how God uses people to glorify him in so many different ways. So, Amen. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that because, you know, so often I think um, many, many times people don't actually think about the pastor being ministered unto and needing that right. needing ministry himself. And uh, it's really cool to uh, be able to experience that firsthand, having people minister unto you. It's, it's really humbling. And uh, that's just awesome that your church family has kind of uh, surrounded you uh, in that way and served you. In oh, that way. yeah, that's, that's we- great. It's been amazing. And I think I tell people, I I do hear um, and read a a lot of, you know, pastors that will talk about different churches they're ministering in and the struggles that they face and the hardships that pastors are under and the pressure that we go through. And and no doubt that's been there at times, but I I often feel where I'm at, where God's placed me. I feel very spoiled and I feel very um, blessed by the church Mm -hmm. that God's blessed me with. I just I, I just am so grateful. And so there it's kind of like um, I tell people sometimes, you know, when you're you're having a child and uh, people who have a couple kids and you're having your first child and they're like, oh, let me tell you what it's like. And you don't know what the birth process is like. And what do they do? They tell you all the horror stories, right? They tell you the the stories about all the, the bad situations of how their labor was so difficult and this happened and that happened. But they never tell you all like the blessings of being a parent or having a child and the good things that can come from it. Everyone likes to share their horror stories. And I think sometimes <laughs> that can be like us as pastors. Sometimes that will, if you follow blogs and uh, you, you hear a lot of the hardship and the difficulties and you don't hear like a small town pastor like myself who says, yeah, those things exist. But there's also a ton of blessings of 
small town ministry and pastoring a group of people that you love and who in turn love you in return. And that's, uh, I've just been, yeah, really blessed and praising God for it every day. So. Mm. I I love that. I I think the same thing. Um, you know, you you hear the quote horror stories. Uh, you don't hear a lot of like the, the triumphs that you're talking about, yeah. and the victories, even yeah. the small victories, like yeah. you were talking about in like the small town sort of church context, which I'm sort of in a, in the similar sort of context. And so, um, yeah, I, I think all the time that it would be great to uh, sort of like how you know. Uh, Jim from the office is doing that YouTube channel. Some yes, great news. Some great news. <laughs> and uh, there should be there should yep. be something like that for pastors. <laughs> Here's Correct. some great news about this pastor's victory. <laughs> That's a great um, idea. And, yeah. Maybe you could start uh, that, Brad. I should trademark that right now. <laughs> you could trademark that. Some great news for pastors. <laughs> yeah, it could be good. Uh, uh, just I'm be going on the word grace podcast right now and I am uh, taking that name, you know, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no one else can steal it though. Nobody. It's just between Mine. you and I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, well, speaking of that, how, how is the church? Uh, I know. Uh, so help hope fellowship church. Uh, you've been there for how long have you been there now for? Yeah. So my wife and I were here. I started pastoring when I was 26 here. Okay. Uh, it was kind of a, a pretty crazy story, too, just how God called me here. I'm pastoring in the same area that I grew up in. So mm. I was born and raised in Dublin, New Hampshire, and uh, now I pastor in Jaffrey, which is the town right next door. It's southern New Hampshire. Uh, it's in New England, uh, the mountain kind of region, beautiful area, um, if you like snow. But no, <laughs> uh, it, it is a beautiful area and uh, we love it here. And so I get to minister to the people that I kind of know in a sense. I know the culture of New England. I grew up in New England and I know the people. I know what it's like. Uh, we're all Patriots fans, you know. So <laughs> uh, sorry for those of you listening. But um, well, yes, how, how are you doing on that, you know, with Tom Brady well, leaving? <laughs> I know we were going to segue right into the family and church here, but uh, you're right. My family does feel a little bit like hurting. Our, our beloved brother, uh, Tom Brady, has moved on to warmer climates. Um, however, I do think it was about time, as some would say, to put him out to pasture. Um, and so I guess it's okay. We're we're going to work through it as a, as a group. <laughs> but uh, I do think we might be better off for it in the long run. It, we needed to reset at some point. Uh, so I do think this year is going to be a struggle, but uh, I think moving forward, it, it it will help us out. We, you know, Brady wasn't going to live forever, although it did seem like he never aged. So yeah, we'll, like we're, I'm not really sure. So <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, but yeah. yes, Patriots were, you know, Tom Brady at, at Tampa Bay there. Um, and you're a Florida guy, weren't you down there a little bit or something? I was. I was never a Buccaneers guy, but um, okay, yeah. we, we can talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> but uh Sports. Well, there are no sports on TV right now, so it's kind of like the the two seconds you get to talk about sports. It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, sports still exist, right? Because this is COVID nineteen. It's on um, the tip of my tongue, though. I just want to talk about it so badly. Um, yeah, it's like, uh, but yeah, our church. Um, we, uh, I so I've been pastoring here now for you know going on five years. I guess you could say in June. Is, you know the timing. I kind of started off a little slow into it, kind of uh, jumping into it, but. Uh, yeah, so going on about five years, I think when I first on the podcast, just real new into it. So I still feel very new and still feel like every day and every week I'm trying to 
uh, you know, really kind of learn what, what God would have for me and how to grow and how to change because there's just so much to learn. I, my father-in-law is an amazing man, and he's been pastoring for a long time. He's actually, I think we were just talking the other day, he's been pastoring uh, churches in New England for longer than I've been alive. <laughs> so uh, it's uh, one of those things where you're just kind of humbled. And I, I sit in a pastor's group of local church pastors here, and many of them are older men. And I really respect them because, again, the same concept. They've been pastoring some of them for really longer than I've uh, been alive or even on this earth. And so it's it's a humble to think, you know, five years sounds like a long time for myself. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, ministry is a long game. And that's kind of how I've been trying to see a kind of long-term ministry up here, building trust and trying to really change people's lives and generations for the future, uh, not just make kind of a quick little uh, impact here. But, uh, do as best I can to kind of stay long term. If if the Lord would have, it's all in His timing and His will. But, yeah, but yeah. I, I, the ministry is a long game. That it reminds me of a quote from uh, Zach Eswine's um, "The Imperfect Pastor," mm. where he talks about yeah. how ministers, pastors are long distance grace runners, and that has always stuck with me because that is so true. Like ministering, pastoring. At least I uh, I hate to you know condition it this way, but faithful pastoring to me looks like really patient, uh, pressing into grace. And, um, that's not, that doesn't lead, you know, to fast results or quick turnarounds or necessarily even, uh, huge revivals, uh, at least right away. Um, but in the end, I think that's what faithful ministry looks like. So, um, uh, it's, Go ahead. Go ahead. I didn't want to cut you off. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's exactly the faithfulness there. I always tell people one of my favorite quotes is um, uh, it's by Spurgeon. He he kind of just says, you know, he says, whether I'm useful or not is not one half so much my business as whether I'm faithful and true. Mm. So much of it in ministry is just the usefulness, the successful, the pragmatic are helpful and are great when God chooses to bless us with those. But I think more of our job is to be faithful and true to our calling and our people and our flock. And so most of what I try to keep reminding myself is, is I'm very, I have a tendency to want to constantly just do what works and what's got a quick fix and a quick reward Mm, and not remember that it's the faithfulness and the truth of God's word that, that is going to invest and really change people in the long term. And, uh, that, that's something I'm just, I have to constantly remind myself cause I'm always tempted to try to just take the quick and easy route. So, yeah, well, yeah. well, we can just park there just a little bit, just because, so it, as a young guy, I, I think that's, um, something I can resonate with too, uh, just kind of doing the pragmatic thing as opposed to doing perhaps the patient thing, the wise thing per se, or something like that. So how, how have you sort of been been able to uh, challenge yourself in that way to avoid just being pragmatic and how you go about such and such an event or implementing this part of a ministry and just making it, you know, uh, just doing something quick in order to get a result from it, as opposed to doing something faithfully patient, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think sometimes it's a little weird right now and weird I'm specifically using that word weird because it's COVID-19 and it's (laughs) weird. Nobody knows what's going on. Nobody really knows what we're supposed to be doing. And as (laughs) pastors, I'm constantly feeling, and I think you do as well, just the feeling of like, what should we be doing and how could we be doing what we're doing better? 
And that's mm. a great question to constantly be asking. And so we are, you know, live streaming our services right now. We're not meeting in person. We're trying to get together in groups and Zoom calls. And, uh, you know, we're doing all the things that everyone else is doing. It's just like I'm constantly thinking, like, why am I not seeing as much of a response or reward from this, you know? And so some hmm. of it I've recently during this COVID-19 is just like not more is not always better. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like sometimes less is more. And I and I've been trying to think about how that looks for us as pastors and as that looks for the church in this time of COVID-19 that we can't physically be together. So, yeah, let's keep teaching and feeding the flock in all the ways that we know how, but not always try to keep up with the Joneses who are doing one thing or another, but to simply just pause and uh, slow down and to simplify things. And um so there's a there's a book by John Mark Comer. Uh, he wrote recently on um, shoot now I can't even remember the name uh, the ruthless elimination of hurry. And so that's one area where I think I've been thinking about myself in pastoring and during this time, trying to think about ways to eliminate the hurry and the rush and the bustle of life and the always hmm. feeling like I have to be connected and keeping up with everything online. And so that's something I've been trying to just slow down and do the simple things. You know what? I'm going to preach God's word. I'm going to read and study it. And we're going to pray together. And like, you know, there's just some grace in the ordinary liturgy of being a Christian, of just those ordinary disciplines that I think can get um, thrown aside or just kind of ignored because maybe they just seem simple and in some sense old fashioned, maybe of (laughs) um, biblical preaching and reading God's word together and, you know, reciting a creed or um, praying together in groups. And it's like, that's where the true power really lies in these regular habits of grace. And so, I don't know, those are some things I've been thinking about, uh, if that kind of answers your question in some sense. No, definitely. Um, Because I've been thinking, uh, we've been thinking along the same lines, I think, a lot of times, which is cool for me to uh, hear that and see that, you you know, you know, we're in different locations, but the spirit is moving on us in similar ways, just in the fact, uh, pressing into those simple parts of ministry. Um, And I think the one thing that this (laughs) coronavirus season has done is to upset a lot of the pragmatic things that a lot of churches were perhaps doing and shake them up to see, can we do things differently? But I think it's also, uh, at least I hope for me and for many other churches, just kind of realigned uh, their focus in what they are doing. Uh, Can we, uh, do we have to have all these other ministries or can we streamline them and focus them and make it uh, simple again? Uh, make it sort of like you were talking about the, the regular ordinances of grace and uh, the liturgy of grace, which I liked how you said that. And um, yeah, I, I think for me, that's at least what I'm learning um, I, this season. I, I think your choice of word is the word that I've been using uh, so often to describe this this weird season. It's, it's just weird. It's unprecedented. Uh, people are trying to go back to the uh, the Spanish flu, I think, back in the 20s. Um, well, 1920s. And uh, I, I don't know how much is applicable or, or not, but I just know that <laughs> for me, it's unprecedented to uh, try and let a, navigate a church, uh, especially a new church that I've 
only recently come to, uh, let alone navigate them through one of the most unprecedented times in church history. So it's definitely a, a yeah. challenge. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I'm right there with you. And uh, I just feel very often not sure what to do. And if we're, <laughs> you know, doing the right thing, I'll actually tell you this real quick story. My daughter, Charlie, uh, yesterday came up to my wife, uh, Jamie, and uh, Char was just saying to my wife, she said, she asked this question kind of out of the blue. She just said, are we doing the right thing? And hmm. uh, my wife looked at her like, again, my daughter's four years old. She's not usually, um, you know, the, the sole arbiter of moral authority or rightness or wrongness in our home. Yeah. Uh, she's not usually questioning, you know, the morality or the ethics of a certain situation. Uh, she's usually just stealing toys from her sister. Um, sure. <laughs> but it was funny because she just said, uh, mom, are we doing the right thing? And so my wife said, well, uh, what do you mean the, the right thing? What, what are you talking about? And uh, Char just said uh, about not going out and seeing friends. And uh, Jamie was kind of taken aback, like, wow, um, I think we're doing the right thing by staying home and not seeing friends. But what do you think? And uh, my daughter said, well, um, I think so. And so they just left it at that. But it was kind <laughs> of a, a, a little quick like insight into the brain of, and the mind of a child that she hears things we're talking about. We never really even watch the news around her. She's not really hearing this, but she must hear us talking about, you know, as we are discussing and trying to sift through all that we're experiencing. Is this <laughs> the right thing? Are we doing the right thing? Should we go out? Should we stay home? Do we do this? Do we not do that? And um and so I think it's kind of something that is from a child, just they can speak truth even into difficult situations. And I think that's a question we're probably all asking at different times in our lives, but especially as leaders of organizations, are we doing the right thing right now? And what, what should we be doing? Hmm. Well, I can, that, that's, a, that's a great story about your daughter. Um, I, I can sort of testify to the same thing about um, stressing over, making the right decision. And I remember, you know, when all this was kind of first starting to happen, I, I, I was losing sleep, I would say, just trying to make sure I was making the, the best decision for everyone. And I think that's where I was struggling. And that's why I was being forced to stay up so late as I was trying to make almost too perfect of a decision. Um, and I think what I've learned is to, do what I can control what I can as a pastor and do it faithfully and to the best of my ability. But then don't uh, like you were talking about earlier, don't feel inadequate if I'm not quote keeping up with the Joneses, if I'm not doing uh, things, uh, you know, just exactly like another church is, is doing them or, uh, right. or implementing, you know, a specific ministry exactly the way another church is doing. Cause you know, it, it looks different. Different church contexts will have different church applications. Uh, and the only through line through it all is the gospel. And so um, that's, I don't know, that's what I'm learning. Uh, I'm being forced to learn that, I guess, yeah, <laughs> as we all are. Yeah, um, sure. Well, uh, speaking to that. About our church, I guess, oh, yeah, you were also asking about our church, too. I didn't really get into where we're at, I guess, in the context, but um, we are we're growing. Things have been going well since we last talked, I guess. And, and so we, I think probably since we even last talked, we, we built a new building too. Yeah. Uh, just a couple of years ago. So 
we have a we have a brand new building here, maybe two three years old now, and then um, we're in talks right now with an architect to um, uh, add on to the building already too. So it's been a really like a blessing awesome. currently that we're kind of outgrowing the space we're even in right now, especially with kids. Uh, there's a lot of little kiddos running around everywhere, so uh, we need more kid space, and so we're going to try to be adding on like a kids wing onto the building and then also like a little bit of a balcony. So that's an exciting time for us. This is New England. This is kind of, this is not the Bible Belt. This is uh, uh, the frozen chosen of New Hampshire. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we, you don't see a lot of this around here. And so we feel very blessed at, by God and his grace to kind of be putting us in such a time where we're kind of, uh, we're growing and we're a young church that wants to seek um, God's, truth and to proclaim that and advance the gospel so and we, and we have a burden for our area and our region so it's, it's been kind of a neat so that's been a big change since the last time we got together i would yeah. say three or four years ago so um you know that god's been kind of pushing that along and it keeps going so we're, we're, we're thinking about even breaking ground on a few things this summer but i don't really know what's happening now with covid and all this stuff so we're, we're very much in the air on some of that as well but, hmm. but god's been very yeah. Well, I mean, I'm so happy to, I was following along when you guys were building and it was just, is exciting when I can see a church uh, in, engaging in that because they feel the need for it. And it's awesome because the Lord is moving, the spirit is working. And uh, I think that's a great, great, great sign. Um, I, I do want to circle back to COVID-19 later on, but I, I have a couple, two quick questions that kind of just uh, popped up into my head, which were, um, uh, you know, it's it's been a little bit since we've, um, you know, obviously done one of these, but um, it, we're both still pretty young, uh, at least in our tenures as pastors, um, at least where we currently are. And so just as you reflect, not counting uh, COVID-19 lessons, <laughs> but what are some, some big lessons, if I can use that word, or things that you've developed or adapted or changed uh, in in these first you know five years or so of ministry um, that you've really just learned um, and and felt the need to press into a lot more mm. during this time. Yeah, I mean, from the last couple of years, kind of things that for me personally have changed. Obviously, in my life, I've matured a lot and grown a lot. Um, I think one thing I can even think practically in some sense that I've even probably if you listen to me preach four or five years ago to what I preach now, it probably would sound a little different. Um, even kind of the way I write a sermon and think about presenting it, I do treat it differently. I, I feel more confident in it as well. Mm. But I, I think mm. originally I was trying to, and I still struggle with this because I, um, I uh, tell people I'm, I'm, an, I'm an Enneagram one. So I, I kind of tend to be somewhat of a perfectionist at times. <laughs> and I like to... Um, be uh get everything right and communicate clearly but uh i sometimes recognize that in in preaching um i i tried to probably communicate too much information and 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 too much accuracy and with slides and powerpoint and that kind of stuff and outlines and um you know as i was often instructed in in seminary and stuff but you know now i i feel like i've tried to communicate more of my heart on it, mm. not so much the head. Um, and so I, I tend to, as a person, lean more towards the head and the analytics of certain things. And I can tell you the Greek word and I can all that. But, but uh, you know, I think that's important. But I think for me personally, I've just started to recognize that my, my people need to know that I believe it. 
and they need to know that I care about it and they need to know more of my heart in the message. Mm. And I think that of just kind of leaning and, and not going away from from accuracy or truth or, or a well-organized outline, but just kind of having more of a conversation that communicates a little bit more of my heart on that passage, uh, I think is what has changed for me. And I, I'm just thankful for my church that was very patient with me at the beginning too. And they still are, you know, you don't always hit a home run every Sunday, right? Let's be honest. Um, but uh, <laughs> I think um, those are some things for me that have changed, I guess, a little bit there. And then, and then just, uh, I think some aspects of um, just the way I uh, go into counseling and treating people on a personal basis and just trying to really care about people on one-on-one and not always act like I have to kind of minister and reach the whole church all at once. Because uh, as a pastor, you get pulled a lot of different directions and you got to kind of meet needs from a lot of different people. And um, sometimes I would struggle just kind of focusing on one person or the person I'm talking to right here at church face to face. I would be thinking, oh, I got to get out of this conversation because I need to talk to this person. <laughs> and I'd kind of bypass the person I'm speaking to. And I've been trying to work on that as as a person, but also as a pastor to really care about you know, whoever is in front of me at that time, that the interruptions in my day aren't interruptions, they're opportunities. So when somebody comes by the office, it's not like, dude, don't you know I'm trying to prepare a sermon right now and all this stuff? But it's like, no, there's a, a person that is really my ministry. It's, it's about people. So, so those kinds of things, I just wish I would have focused a little bit more of those on at the beginning or earlier than I had. But I, I, um, I'm thankful also for the patience of God and for a church that mm. allows young pastors like myself to grow and learn <laughs> and they grow and learn along with us and they're patient. So. <laughs> yeah. I've had to make that same uh, statement to uh, folks in my church. Thank you for letting me learn how to pastor through this season. <laughs> uh, not just, you know, coronavirus season, but just season as a young guy in ministry. Uh, Cause as you said, there's a lot of different things we are told and, and I'll just, confess to you that once you get into the ministry, it looks a lot different than what you're told oftentimes. <laughs> um, I think oh, yeah. seminary can only oh, yeah. prepare you for so much. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of things that I've already experienced that it's, you know, there's no class for that. There's no way that you can learn how to react or respond or just, or there's no real class that they can teach you on a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, but that's, I mean, it's it's so encouraging for me uh, to hear to hear how you've been learning and growing as a young pastor because it's it's a lot of the similar ways that I have been uh, learning and growing is uh, preaching uh, leaning into people just ministering to uh, people here that are around me and not worrying about I, I think there's this nine marks article I have to find it it, it talks about how defeating and demoralizing it can be. Uh, to always be thinking about pastoring the sort of ideal church or like the church in your head instead of like the church that's right right in front of you. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've, I've been through that and battled that. It's, it's so easy to want to, you know, minister to the, quote, ideal church when there's already a church, a ministry, there's people right in front of you that need you. It may not look like you want it to, quote unquote, but 
this is the this is the the people the the flock that you've been called to to minister to and i think that's where it comes back to pouring your heart into um you know pouring your heart into a sermon regardless of how many people are there um that's where it comes back to faithfulness you know you may not have the ideal sound system or the ideal presentation, uh, but it's about faithfulness. It's not about uh, presentations necessarily. So I don't know. That's, that's something I've been learning. For you and me to then uh, pour your heart into a sermon when no one is there in the building (laughs) and you're preaching to a camera. You know, for a live stream or something, it's like, okay, so... (laughs) You know, for me, I have terrible jokes. Uh, clearly, you've probably already heard some of them. And it's like, there's no one to laugh at my corny jokes here. It's like, what do you do? So uh, it's it's really strange, the live streaming stuff. I mean, we've been live streaming for a while now anyways, but mm-hmm. you're not just catering to the live streaming while you're preaching. You're preaching to the people that are there and the live stream's watching in. Yeah. Now it's like nobody's in the building and I'm only speaking to a camera and it's like, this is, this different, you know? So it is very different. You know, in, in my current situation, there's maybe, you know, six or so people there that are all scattered around just who have helped with whatever uh, going on. And so it's basically an empty sanctuary that I'm preaching to. And like you, it's just very weird. There's like this really big dissonance between uh, preaching to a congregation and then preaching to empty pews. And it's just really strange for me. (laughs) I didn't realize how much I uh, was reliant on feedback. Not that I want, you know, a token amen, but just even seeing people's faces react to what I'm saying or in f- being able to feel perhaps a moving of the Holy Spirit uh, when you're pressing into a certain point in a sermon or what have you. Um, I don't know. I just, I didn't realize how much I relied on that. <laughs> but I think I, that's as it should be. I think hmm. we're taught even in school, even as we preach and learn to speak, it's supposed to be that way. You yeah. know, we're supposed to be a body and unified together in a gathering. I'm not any different as a pastor when I preach than the people in the pews. And so it's like, you know, there is this connectivity there. And and there is a reality of that. I do look you in the eyes and I tell you and I see your face and I know what's going on in your life. I'm not a TV preacher in a sense that doesn't know your name. Hmm. You know, I know who you are. I know your family. I was there. I've married your kids, you know, up there and I, I've buried your, your grandmother or something too. Like we, we walk with people through, through marriage, through, through funerals, through life things, through situation, through COVID-19. And when we're preaching to them, you look them in the eyes and you see them and that's important. So, but during this time, yeah, there is this time of, you know, COVID-19 coronavirus where, where there's just unique challenges. So I think what we're expressing are, are good things to express because they're there, but it, it's not a, it's, it's a good thing that that's weird for us, I think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in a sense. So, and that only grows more, I think, as, as we grow with our congregation and our people that we love. So, hmm. well, and well, and just to wrap my thought up on that is, is my other question was, cause, um, you mentioned that you are now ministering in an area where you grew up in, and which is really, to me, just incredible to me that God would call you back to, you know, a place in which you're familiar. That wasn't necessarily the case for me. God has called me sort of out of my element and it's becoming my element, but needless to say, it's not something I grew up with. Or grew up with. Um, sure, but sure. Just can you, can you speak to 
if there was any challenges or hurdles in going back to where you were, or is it, has it always been on your heart to go back to where you grew up and to minister and to preach in that, in, in the way that you're, you're, you're ministering and preaching now? Yeah, sure. There's, um, a little bit of both. I think I have always loved new England and, um, I went to school in the South, but I, I feel I had a desire always to come and return home in new England. Mm. Uh, I just had a desire to, to reach this kind of very much unreached part of the country. Uh, it's mm. kind of the founding part of our entire nation, you know, this New England, this Boston, Massachusetts, but uh, since then it's kind of drifted off. And, uh, you know, a lot of, I do see a lot of gospel centered churches kind of being revived though recently. It's been kind of cool to see that happen up here. A lot of faithful preachers now kind of staying in for the long term. Um, but uh, kind of preaching and, and pastoring now in, in a similar area that I grew up, it it has advantages of knowing the culture and knowing the people. But I also didn't know necessarily all the people that are at my church now. It's just kind of the same area. Uh, but there is some unique challenges that I have that in, maybe even others don't with that is uh, my own parents come to my church. Mm-hmm. And uh, they didn't before. And uh, when I moved to that church, they moved over with me and they, they've, I've pastored my mom and dad now for five years. And it's uh, a little strange. Uh, I'm their youngest kid too. So uh, <laughs> I think they've been actually a huge part of some of the success I've had here at the church. I rely on them heavily and uh, they've lived in this area most of their life. And now they support my ministry by coming and sitting under my preaching every Sunday. And maybe for some that doesn't sound like a big deal, but I I've I find it a pretty big deal. I really respect my parents, and uh, for them to kind of submit to their youngest son to, I just I don't know, you know what I'm saying? I just find it interesting. I, I wonder what it was even like for, you know, kind of Mary and Joseph at different times to watch <laughs> the son that they raised, and then to then all of a sudden see him die on a cross. I spoke on that last Sunday where mm. you know Jesus on the cross says, "Mother, behold your son," and uh, or woman, behold your son, he says. And it's just one of those moments where it's just like, you know, it says in the beginning of Luke that she pondered all these things in her heart and just the magnitude of trying to ponder all those things that she's experiencing and seeing and watching Jesus. And yet she remembers changing his diaper, you know, or whatever, as, as it would when he was a little baby. Like, I just find that very fascinating. And we don't really know, but it's just something fun to think about. And she tried to had to you know, spoon food into his mouth as a little baby and it spilled all over his chin. And then over here, he's uh, turning water into wine. You know, it's like, so it's just a very interesting thing. And and by no means can anybody insinuate through what I just shared that I compare myself to Jesus in no way. Um, <laughs> but I'm just saying just that concept of having my parents having to kind of submit to a pastor that mm-hmm. um, is their son and that they know me very well and they know how ridiculous uh I fall short in some of the things that I preach. And yet I think they know me also that I've admitted those things and, and, uh, and they know that uh, I'm humble and trying to at least do my best to live those out as best way as anybody can. And so that I try not to be different uh, from the pulpit than I am down from the pulpit or down with people or with them. And so I, and, and then they've supported me every step of the way. So it's been a huge blessing of that aspect of it. I think it's been unique, but uh, a, a huge blessing. And then my father's health has been very poor lately. He's struggling from leukemia right now, and he mm-hmm. has no working kidneys. And he's in his early 60s. This started happening uh, in his early, mid to late 50s. And so 
and walking through as I kind of pastor and also be a son to my mom and dad who are struggling from cancer um, is really challenging as well. But God's grown me and my family a lot through it and brought us closer together than we've ever been before. And I think also in turn united the church as they kind of have been able to view uh, the love that my parents have for me and the love I have for my parents. I think it's been a, a powerful thing that I haven't to be honest, even really thought much about till you've asked some of these questions. So I appreciate it. And uh, it's it's really amazing to just see what God's doing. Yeah, that is good. I mean, it is it, people don't think about ministering to your parents, but that is something that is, <laughs> it, it is a little bit challenging ministering to your family in that way, because there is a different relationship between a congregant and a pastor. And it's just this weird sort of new reality, but it's, I, I am so thankful that they were there and they've supported you. I know uh, from experience when I was at my dad's church in South Carolina, uh, he was able to have a similar setup. He was actually at one point uh, the pastor of both of his, or both his parents and his uh, in-laws, his, his mother and father. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, so, so that's, that's another. Amazing, <laughs> wow. It was Impressive. a really interesting uh, season of pastoral ministry for him, <laughs> needless to say. Yeah. Um, but it is, it is really to me, just I'm really grateful to hear about that faithfulness and ministry in in your church, and to kind of bring it back around because you know the big thing that's on everyone's mind right now is obviously COVID nineteen, and and I'm not going to pretend or even hint at pretending that I have any sort of insight or or expertise or anything like that because I don't uh, as we've already mentioned or I will mention again uh, I am making this up on the fly and I think every pastor is to a certain degree um, and um, but yeah. what is <laughs> what is one thing perhaps that you've that you've implemented or learned or changed that you think that you will stick with either as a pastor or a, a husband or a leader or however that looks like what what is a thing that you've had to change that you think is oh this is something I should have already always been doing uh in the past sure one thing is we're an elder led church so I'm actually a teaching elder here at the church but I also am the pastor I guess you could say so sometimes it's formulated maybe a little different than say like some Southern Baptist churches or whatever, but we're an elder led church. And so I have nine other elders along with myself and um, we have kind of, we are the pastors of the church or the elders of the church. And uh, we've doubled down on trying to call people in our church. Mm. I don't know. It sounds really silly maybe to some of you listening, but it's just basic. And yet, I don't know. I'm like, we should have been doing this uh, every week, but um we did it a couple of years ago. Uh, we just called everybody in the church, and then we've kind of been updating our data databases. Uh, it's hard when you get newer people, and and then people that attend, you're not really sure, you know, kind of some of their numbers. And but the idea of just calling people and saying, "How are you doing?" Uh, this isn't your pastor checking up on you because you're going to the principal's office or you've done something wrong. It's just like we're here to what? what how can we help? How can we? And then pray for them over the phone. Just talk to them and and this is a specific time we can't go visit people um but just a simple call and that's something that we're trying to do more more of and um i think it's been a really a big blessing i hope it's been a blessing to the church as i think it has but i know from my elders that it's actually been a big blessing for them too hmm. uh so so that's just one simple thing um 
other things just like we've already been a church that has been live streaming for a while our services but we have changed a few things there and even during covid we've tried to strip things down and make it a little simpler and just maybe a little more streamlined and uh smaller i guess and and again it kind of goes back to what i was saying earlier it's not more isn't always better i think sometimes during this time less is better and just simply encouraging people from the word and praying together and uh there is uh, a lot of freedom in that and then uh also just yeah like you said earlier just being reminded that maybe all the programs that we have and all the extras are truly that uh extras and uh they're not what's central to our church and our it isn't the lifeblood you know and uh life goes on without those things as well and so just trying to think about is this time helping us kind of cut the fat off and to really get back to the basics Hmm. and the true foundation and, you know, relying on Jesus Christ as the cornerstone. Like, what does that look like for us as a church moving forward as our, our kind of structure has been forcibly changed over these last couple of weeks. Um, And, and so I think it is good to always rethink and think about that future mindset. So that's something I we've been evaluating and we don't have all the answers right now. Like you were saying, I don't, I don't really know, but uh, we're trying to do our best to figure that out as it goes and, and God will lead and direct as he, he always does. And so we're just trying to follow his lead on that. Yes. Well, and people are going to think that we collaborated a lot beforehand on this, but um, <laughs> uh, we didn't, I'll say that, but we have actually learned the exact same lesson, just pausing, calling people on the phone, uh, does probably more than, you know, perhaps what, at least for our church context, is, is doing more for our people than, you know, perhaps what other churches are doing with whatever else other churches are doing. <laughs> uh, but for us, it's just getting on the phone, spending 20 minutes just uh, connecting with maybe a, a, ch- a church attender or member that you don't always have those types of conversations with uh, that you normally would. And this is kind of forcing your hand a little bit to have that conversation. For me, it's been an incredible blessing to be able to do that. Um, you know, I, 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 I try and visit people throughout the week uh, or I would normally uh, and this season that is off the table. And so now I'm forced to call, well, not forced. I don't want to make it sound like I'm forced, but I'm, I'm getting to talk to people Uh, and I'm so grateful for that because it's allowing me to connect with people that I would only see, you know, and like in passing on a church uh, or on Sunday church. Now I'm spending, you know, 20, 30 minutes with someone in like you were talking about earlier, isolated conversation, uh, with just that person. And I'm not thinking about, you know, the next thing I got to do or the another person that I've got to call, I'm ministering to that person in that phone call, which I'm grateful for the opportunity to do. And it's, that's definitely something that I hope and I pray that I have the, um, the ability to continue doing even after this weirdness uh, is over. (laughs) Exactly. Amen to that. And that kind of brings us back to, again, like like you were saying, the lifeblood of your church, the lifeblood of any church uh, comes back to, I think, the worthiness of, of Jesus. And I think that's what makes uh, this weirdness uh, so not easy to manage, but manageable is the fact that we are managing the weirdness because of the worthiness of 
of Jesus. And uh, hopefully uh, that's the message that's uh, getting across uh, getting across to folks that are around us and folks in your community as well. Uh, just on, is there anything else you want to add to that? I was going to add something lighthearted. So if you have something serious. Yeah, no, no, I think you really nailed it. And, and it was really good. I, again, just um, love chatting, love talking about, you know, what God's doing. And it's just always an encouragement to me to hear all that God's doing there and what he's doing here. And we just remember we're not in it alone. And, yeah. and uh, yeah, I think uh, God is, is a lot bigger than some of our situations here. And yeah. just get to, I just marvel at the opportunity to watch him work and watch him lead. And we're just following, uh, following his lead. And um, mm. yeah. Amen. So. Well, uh, just really quick on that is it, I was talking with my dad. My dad is a pastor in uh, Greenville, South Carolina. He's been there, you know, uh, 20, 20 something years now. Um, and so I was talking to him about, uh, just ministering during the season and how weird it is to be a first year pastor and having to go through, uh, a season like this. And he was just talking to me. He's like, well, it's weird. And I've been in the pastorate for 20 years. <laughs> and so that idea of not being alone is to me, uh, really, uh, encouraging and just really just, it just en enriches me to know that, uh, my feelings of inadequacies are, <laughs> are not isolated just to me and my youth and my inexperience. It's just something that everyone is having to sort of battle and get over. And everyone is pressing into, I pray everyone is pressing into the same thing, which is leaning, uh, leaning on grace and praying that, um, God, uh, provides the, uh, the faithfulness and the, and the fortitude to, uh, keep, uh, moving forward. And I, I think that's, um, what will, uh, come about, um, on a lighthearted note, um, what is, what is something that you're doing to, keep busy or stay, uh, alert or what's something that's entertaining you during this, uh, you know, quarantining season. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, you know, some people have told me they are like, uh, you know, slowed down. They don't have a lot going on. They're, they're maybe let go of their job right now, or they're just stuck in their house. And, and then I'm over here with some of these other groups that are like, I feel busier than I've ever been before. And so <laughs> yeah. we're building a house. Uh, my dad, I know it's not lighthearted, but he has lots of doctor appointments I'm trying to bring him to and then uh, trying to lead a church through COVID, prepare for sermons. And I got two kids under the age of four at home. So most of it is uh, lately we've just been trying to play with the kids and get them outside. It's now the weather up here is starting to get a little warmer. So we've been doing some bike riding and trying to do a little hiking. Some of that stuff uh, around here, which has been really good, and um, and then you know you're, we're doing the whole uh, Netflix that kind of stuff too. But you know <laughs> we're trying to uh, trying our best to pull ourselves away from that addiction and also uh, you know watching the news uh, too much because it uh, can be detrimental to your health. I swear you can get COVID nineteen through the news. So like you just have I to think be you careful. can. I believe that's one of the main ways you contract it. <laughs> and so I feel like if you watch it too much, you hit this breaking point and you'll yeah. never um, flatten the curve ever again. So, yeah. Especially if you watch the local news COVID-19 updates. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So, <laughs> But um, it is it is a serious thing. I'm not poking at it, but it is some, one of those things where it just, it's so strange right now. And, and, it, and it's hard to not let ourselves be sucked into the hysteria and to trust in, to, trust in God and to cast all our cares on him. You know, he cares for you 
And um, it's just important to remember that our God cares and he loves us and during this time and, and to enjoy it. And I think uh, Jim Elliott always says, wherever you are, be all there, right? And so just right now where we're at, let's just be and uh, be here and not waste this time and try to just get through it, but see what we can learn and how we can grow closer to the Lord. And if we draw near to him, he's going to draw nearer to us. And, you know, these are all the promises that we believe in and trust in. So it's important. Mm. Amen to that. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate your encouragement and your in your ministry and your words. And uh, I'll be praying for you in this uh, next season uh, and, and as your house gets finished and all that kind of stuff. And, and that Lord will continue to move on you and your church and that he would continue to, to provide uh, for you guys as you minister up there in New England. So thanks again. Appreciate you and look forward to uh, connecting with you again soon. Amen. Likewise, and God bless you and your family and your ministry. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, thanks, Jordan. Well, that's it for today's episode of Ministry Minded. Thanks so much for listening, and thanks so much for Jordan uh, for taking the time to come on the show today. If you like what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to this show. You can do so on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. If you're feeling gracious, you can leave me a review. The five-star ones are really appreciated. Uh, But thank you, as always, for listening, commenting, and subscribing. I'll see you on the next episode. Blessings.